Welcome everyone to the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek, your official, unofficial voice of the Marvel Cinematic Community. My name is Matt, and joining me as always is Pete. Hello, Pete. It's time to remind the humans I'm not their enemy. I am their god. The Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. podcast by Fantastic Geek for episode 509, Best Laid Plans, is brought to you by Sonara Impalement Poles. They're going quick. And here, Pete, I thought it was going to be sponsored by plastics. Invest in plastics. But I guess those polls are going fast, too. What do you think I'm a graduate over here? (laughs) Ooh, well done. Uh, Pete, let's just quickly talk ratings. It seems like S.H.I.E.L.D. is settling into a .6 rating, which, while not great, is better than the .5 where it was at for a little while. .5 also being the line of red alert. And I just want to point out, Pete, with CBS... Uh, I believe I have the stat correct, that they have now ordered six uh, reboot, renewal, sequel pilots. No, I take that back. It's six pilots total. But we have in the future on other networks, Cagney and Lacey, Magnum P.I., Murphy Brown. It occurs to me, Pete, what if what if there was a TV show that was existing in a, in a property people already knew, but you could also reinvent it? Anytime you needed to, depending on budget or people you can get or things of that sort. Does that sound like it would be a good fit on ABC? Sounds like a wonderful fit. And let me just editorialize for a moment. Can we stop with the reboots and the remakes? We're, we're up to Charmed now. We're rebooting Charmed uh, to the chagrin of the um, three and a half uh, cast members uh there i count uh shannon doherty as a half because she came in halfway through um there are so many worthy new ideas out there matt in this platinum age of tv we don't need to reconstruct for the eighth time these uh stories that have been told before let's 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 break new ground let's bring in new voices and uh, that's all I have to say about that. When we catch you up on what went down, Matt, our teaser begins with two blues into the red with their guns drawn, lured by a guy down a hallway, and then a bunch of people led by Mac and Yo-Yo take them out with guns. Of course, a guy named Gunner gets Stuck throwing rocks. Pete, such a hyper-masculinely named man for him to be relegated to rock throwing. It just shows the vast injustice that is the future on the lighthouse. Uh, Yo-Yo mentions in passing that uh, A, Rebel Peacemaker Mac is leading them well and sexy. Uh, Flint arrives. He is triumphant. There are no more blues on this floor. This is our floor now. And uh, Mac suggests that this will make Cassius angry. Cut to Cassius being angry. Do you understand the emotional transfer that occurred there narratively, Pete? I do. And he's informed not only have all of the Vrelnexians been taken out, but they've lost, gasp, eight soldiers. And as his uh, audio slaves are being forced to carry crates there to his ship's hold, because, uh, you know, there are people on ship hold levels, Matt, 
that uh, are disobeying them and, and not quite getting along. He needs to uh, take care of business. Part of his business is just to give us a little recap that there may be an uprising happening, just in case all y'all didn't watch last week is his concern. Uh, he tells his new lieutenants to have the doctor awaken his creation. Uh, and then that great line there, he is not their enemy. He is their god title card. Why didn't they go with Agents in Space? I understand why ABC didn't do that. It's probably a dumb idea. But if it just said Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Agents in Space, it would have been so awesome. We'll never know. Act one begins with Coulson and Enoch here. Discussion about Flint. He controls rocks as Fitz is checking out the Zephyr one crash site of 80 years here. Meanwhile, Daisy is noting that uh, comms are going to take a while because they've been infested by rats and Enoch says to invest in plastics. Pete, I got to admit, you know, obviously we love doing this podcast Friday nights, same night as the episode rolls on out. And uh, I felt like a little bit of a silly guy wondering if perhaps my my podcast powers were being somewhat inhibited, that it took Colson saying to Enoch, Flint has rock powers so he can heal this piece of rock with the rest of the rock that what got us here and can take us <laughs> home at the end of this pod. I was like, of course. How has this light bulb not gone off in my head until show told me? But that's that's it. Side question, Pete. Also in this scene, they're they're prepping Zephyr One to fly the plane again. I guess it can fly in the vacuum of space now, or it always could, or is that just kind of like move along, move along? Again, I think the writers decide it can do whatever they need them to do, whatever they need it to do. Uh, Colson and May at this point discuss what happened with Robin there. Uh, Colson sympathetic, of course, that, uh, you don't hear every day what May just has this old woman telling you that you raised her, uh, as a child and, uh, Daisy ripping on May's mom face. The story then moves uh, to Deke talking to Sammy, who I thought we were calling Sammy pretty like solidly from last episode, but now the episode's going uh, later on with Voss. Regardless, he's talking to him, and Voss uh, blames Deke's father for escalating tensions, talking about these crazy plans to get the, the S.H.I.E.L.D. agents here, and Voss is attempting to put uh, Deke's father's death into context, uh, which I thought was interesting because I feel like we haven't known we haven't known Voss long enough to hate him for trying to kill our hero because his perspective is not a bad one. Um, bottom line, though, we go back. Oh, oh! Uh, before we go back, I should mention that Voss kind of hammers home why we shouldn't completely hate him. The people responsible for all of this, the destruction of Earth, the current situation, they're all upstairs. It is the agents. Yeah, he wanted to kill them while uh, Deke's father wanted to kill Voss. So obviously some difference of opinion of who ultimately is responsible. But like his father, uh, Voss thinks Deke needs to learn to play the long game. Meanwhile, Cassius, uh, we're told, thinks that Quake is his ticket out. Um 
if uh, she goes back in time, we know what happens. Uh, but uh, Yo-Yo uh, is now teaching Flint how to shoot and Mac is firmly against this. Yes, he is. And some fantastic camera work here, uh, 360 degree swirling shot around the three of them, giving them all their, their due time on camera there. We see Turtle Man laying down the law. Uh, and after Flint walks away, Mac says that that's because he's concerned that Flint has a taste for killing, uh, perhaps even a, a taste for killing beyond, uh, beyond defense. It's observed by Yo-Yo that they need a leader, not a mob. Actually, pardon me, I think that was uh, that was Mac who said that. Yo-Yo is a bit more sympathetic to, you know, let the boy kill if these are troublesome times. Uh, but it's all interrupted, Pete, by uh, Cassius having sent a messenger. Pete, you'll never guess who it is. Is that Tess, Matt? Santo Inferno. Santo Inferno, indeed. Yeah, uh, thought she was dead, and turns out, as we end the act, she was act two pete tess gets what could be a monologue it's occasionally interrupted by some extra thoughts from uh from mac but we get her uh her previously on tess's life and death she fought she begged uh she was ultimately dragged to the exchange wonderful imagery here knives are cold mm-hmm. um and uh, she indeed was dead now is returned and uh uh, this whole time I'm like okay I don't quite get how but I don't need to then of course the idea of this connection to Cree tech can bring this is back. why exposition is warranted and, and needed at points within a story to remind us that you know GH325 and whatever it is derived from is floating around in various timelines <laughs> Uh, so certainly on the table there and we're not going to use it, Matt, with a background character. If we're not going to use it with, um, hmm, main characters. Oh, is that, is that a... oh, so, so can, I, can, I, can I relax Pete about some of my concerns and whispers I've heard on the internets? You can I listen, you can, can you get fired up about this stuff? I love that people are passionate about this show. I do. But when you get to a point where you're living and dying with every little update that goes on, you have to remember these are dramatic people that aren't just dramatic on TV. <laughs> <laughs> they, they like to tease out the audience and well, they should because people pay attention and that's part of the fun of this. But I don't think we can get so caught up like, oh, my goodness, it's it's the end of worlds that that quake will destroy um, yeah, I, I just think we're, we're taking it just a smidge too far sometimes. Well, Pete, back in the scene, that's what, that's what Max feeling is. The talk of yeah. killing Cassius by way of yo-yo. That's too far. That's too much. Uh, Tess says that she, she will deliver Flint or she's been, been told to deliver Flint and the kids and Daisy back to Cassius or otherwise Cassius will push a button and everyone burns. I wonder if that's actually true, Pete. But we're not going to stick with everybody burning. Where are we headed to? We go back to Coulson here. His hand needed some juice. Um, It's been several episodes since we really showcased the effects. And between the 
the gravity sequence and the exterior shots of the Zephyr one in this episode and even of the lighthouse um, really, really well done. But here's a here's a simple <laughs> quote unquote simple shot of of uh, Clark Gregg with his robot handoff being charged uh, that was really, really believable. Yeah, I couldn't tell whether in that initial angle he was, um, you know, kind of sitting against a rig, like his arm is straight down, then there's a prosthetic thing up the up the sleeve that, that comes to an end, uh, or if it was completely digital. But regardless, it it's a nice reminder, and it has me wondering, why are we being reminded of this? Uh, maybe it's just like, oh, man, guys, we wrote out the hand thing but we need to just address it quickly so the people don't think we've completely forgotten about it if so i'm fine with that um we know he went for the lower level hand so if that's just the, the quick touch in there after what it was in 501 that he it was revealed he had gone for yes. the uh, gone for the more didn't have uh, time and and was concerned that they were going behind bars anyway you don't bring your swiss army hand with you when you expect to be incarcerated it's the first thing they're going to take so uh wise for them to build that as a story point and you know it's going to come back whether he uses it to short out a lock or initiate a time portal to send Daisy back when she really shouldn't to destroy the world. So everything can still happen. Yeah. that That's what we're doing. And, um, all of this amidst talk of Daisy not getting her inhibitor removed and remaining powerless. So when she winds up in the past she doesn't have her power to tear the world apart that i thought was an interesting notion that the show was floating out there um just because for her perception of the story you know for her reality in this weird time loop and all of that that does solve everything now of course taking her powers well, remember away. too we did not see her in the video use her powers mm. so that could be a thing that she goes back without them and somebody else triggers the apocalypse well I, I like that they are clearly now turning their attention a bit towards where the story will go, particularly since we are, I think, anticipating, you know, being a couple episodes away, uh, whether it's next week or whether it's, you know, on the other side of, uh, you know, on the other side of, of the break we still think is going to happen. Um, you know, but at a certain point, the story is going to shift away from this pod to the second pod, which has been promised to us by, by Jed Whedon. So, um, it, my point being now is a really interesting time to start to look for some of those jumping off points narratively. Um, we remain in Zephyr one in the, uh, in the guts of it, as we see Fitzsimmons trying to fix the wiring. Um, but instead they find some old plans for new designs that they have yet to make in the future past. Um, <laughs> none of it makes sense because they need anti-gravity. Wait a minute. They find the gravitonium. It's on Earth. It's on the lighthouse. Gravitonium has been caused by the agents. Uh, simply, Pete, by not tying up that gravitonium storyline, they themselves, <laughs> by not resolving the big agents versus gravitron showdown that we all wanted as a as a follow up to episode one hundred and two, 
they have caused all this destruction. This is what happens when you don't edit. It might set a record for time between episodes solving a loose end. I mean, serious reach back at this point. It could be a hundred episodes, Matt, where they're <laughs> reaching back for to bring this guy back in particular. But I suppose that they've they've name checked it. And I know we name checked it one or two other times um in between, particularly early on. But yeah, it's it's everywhere now. They did this in the past. Um, th this was, of course, after they lived this moment. Simmons says it's a loop paradox and Fitz laments that they're stuck in a bloody time loop. They're doomed to fail. Um, Pete, would you yeah. like to say anything about stories that have time travel or are you just going to give us a solid no comment at this point given the given given the doctor who kerfuffle from a few episodes ago it wasn't a kerfuffle i made a bad joke um but speaking of uh time travel we do have uh plenty of facebook uh talk about time travel and uh the mechanics they might be using here so we'll come to that in our uh decrypted transmission segment in a little bit well, we go topside in Zephyr 1. Uh, the storm is worsening. Uh, Sammy Voss is unseen but alive. Um, we should say it's confirmed by dialogue. Deke still has not shot him. Uh, Fitzsimmons tries to tell Colson about that gravity situation, but they have no time. Let's take off. Let's also stick in a pin for future episodes. The fact that Colson doesn't know about the gravitonium. Um, they try to take off. The engines blow out. And uh, Enoch, who does not get a ton of lines, but gets the best lines in the episode, yeah. says words to the effect of, now would be an optimal time to escape to the caves. I shall go first. <laughs> uh, I like the one a little later about the vomiting, if he had a stomach. Um, and uh, it's at this point of highest tension, Matt, that we go back to the lighthouse here Uh Mac is not going to let Yo-Yo and Flint go. Yo-Yo wants to zip-zip, chop Kasaias' head off, uh, but then they find someone has set them up the bomb. Indeed, the risk that we end on here, these hundreds of bombs hardwired to the O2 lines, it would not only kill them, it would incinerate them as we hit the act break. Act three, Matt and uh, Deke says the time is up here. Uh, Daisy says that he's getting a good hang of the good guy thing because uh, killing is never a better option. His father could be violent. Uh, and this is something obviously referencing the discussion, the rather heavy discussion that's going to lead to our misdirect uh, coming up, Matt, that he had with. Voss, that Voss isn't a threat to anyone but Daisy. Uh, we go to the exterior of Zephyr 1, and indeed people are leaving, headed to the caves. Uh, and Coulson is the one to finally free Voss. He pulls a gun on him like Agent Coulson is agent level 007. It's just a sweet move, Pete. I'm not a gun guy, but you know what? Boy, he nails it. Uh, he cuffs Voss. 
Uh, again, mind swirling here. You know, Voss on the move. What story purpose will he serve in future episodes? Um, but again, this this prep for the big move. Ditto on the lighthouse. You see what we did there, Pete? They're prepping for the big move in both places. Time for a confrontation or to make a deal. Pete, you might think that Mac makes deals, but you're going to find out later that Cassius, his deals are huge. <laughs> they are huge indeed, Matt. Uh, they are going to surrender, though, Mac and Yo-Yo, <gasps> Uh, despite the fact that Gunner and all of his human friends want to fight, uh, the hope is that Mac and Yo-Yo could get close enough to take him out. And um, Tess and Flint, meanwhile, have a weighty discussion. Uh, he doesn't want to lose her again. Flint wants to go with them. Uh, but Yo-Yo, who's really developed a, a nice bond with the Flint character, explains that uh, people uh, believe in him. They need him now before we zigzag back to Zephyr 1. Just have to point out, thank goodness Gunner speaks for the featured extras who do not get dialogue. He speaks <laughs> for them, Pete. Uh, There's a cost thing involved. Um I also have to point out, too, that uh, why is it that Flint is going to stay behind and Mac and Yo-Yo are going to save the freaking day? Pete, they're series regulars. Come on. That's how it works. Right. Back, back we go to Zephyr 1. It's being battered by rocks. There's a whole subplot here of number of rocks hitting Zephyr 1 in about a 45-minute period. Will it survive? And then, Pete, we get another great Enoch line. Tell us about that. Yeah, he's uh, yet to experience the sensation of death. Um, and obviously, with everything that's going on here, as the tension continues to rise, what will happen? Will they be able to cut these ground anchors? Uh, but right before that, May sees Robin's bird float for a moment. And that's where it all connects for Simmons. They need to cut those ground anchors. Uh, May will then be able to pilot the Zephyr One in the gravity storm before she makes another mom face. You know, Pete, normally when somebody calls something baloney, when baloney is the descriptor, that usually is not a uh, not a uh, a positive thing. But every so often, Pete, you know what you can use baloney to make. That's a bologna sandwich. And there are times when a bologna sandwich is actually just kind of what the doctor ordered. And I, and I want to point out that most of this Zephyr 1, can we fix her? Let's clean the wires and find gravitonium and let's fix the screens. No, the screens are broken. Let's fix the, the uh, avionics. No, that's broken. Most of it in terms of this episode's place in the season, most of it is just kind of narrative bologna like, we can't have them take off until the end of the episode and need to stretch out a whole bunch of scenes to get there. But none of it feels like it's stretching it out, even though amidst all the, we're ready to take off. No, we can't. Oh, I think we can't. No, we can't. It's it's really, really well done. It's characters we care about. Pete, it's yummy baloney. It's not story baloney. It's yummy baloney. And maybe the garnish, Matt, are these background characters who are fleeing Zephyr 1 to head into the caves and a hooded figure there emerges to pull it back 
and this is Sonara who's now infiltrated the aircraft. Act 4 sees us seeing Cassius, seeing that the messenger has returned. Okay, he's told about it. I pushed the seeing one thing too far. Um, but the messenger has returned, and Pete, he does his smarty pants, chair swivel. But it's just Tess alone. A wonderful little moment to really, you know, to, to take the, the hot air out of old Cassius's balloon there. Uh, but though Tess is alone, she's not empty-handed. She gives Cassius a vial of blood and a kyber crystal. This is the universe with the kyber <laughs> crystals, right, Pete? It's not. Uh, it is the uh, parent company with the, the kyber crystals uh, just recently canonized in uh, 2015, uh, Matt. But uh, I'm sorry, 2016 but uh, not in this universe. Tess will not be making her own lightsaber then? Is that what you're saying? No. Okay. Well, regardless, Pete, there's more to this message here. Uh, they, that is, you know, our good agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., Mac and Yo-Yo, they have the research floor, and uh, either Kasaias plays nice with them or they will burn his research facility to the ground with a push of a button. Make sure he hears it's with a push of a button. And he'll never be able to make another inhuman again uh, is obviously the focus of that act. Uh, meanwhile, back on Zephyr one there, Coulson uh, banged himself around, uh, worried it might get infected. Uh, and May, with uh, Enoch's observations, is hoping for more observation and less sharing. Uh, then Pete, they're all ready to go, except ready for some more bologna sandwich. The anchors won't release. Daisy gets on it. Deke follows because writing. Um, plus, come on, Daisy, Deke, sharing the screen. They smolder, Pete. Back we go to the lighthouse. Uh, the hallway showdown with Cassius is being prepped. Max says that uh, Yo-Yo should not act until they know how Cassius will detonate the bomb. Um, also might just be a story way to say, don't have your awesome attack until the climax of the later scene. <laughs> All said with love, by the way. I mean, anytime that we're looking at how the story is constructed, <laughs> let me be clear, dear listener, I'm certainly not saying, and I'm sure I speak for you, Pete, we are not saying there are deficiencies in how this is told. I'm just pointing out, look, this is how the structure exists. Yeah, and Chekhov's guards here, Matt, with these rather... Uh, notable staffs can't miss them, Pete, but also not enough attention is brought to them where you say, Oh, that's going to be the thing that causes the problem, uh, in a bit. Uh, but first, the guards, then Cassius. Uh, he looks strange to Mac, and Cassius seemingly is a bit surprised to see Yo Yo Rodriguez. Um, and he laughs, trading in humans for yeah, for humans. That's the old deal. Pete here, Cassius revealed to be the deal maker, and uh, he knows people will always turn on each other. He's not saying that for the purposes of irony. A little bit later, <laughs> or to hand it back to the scene where Daisy is trying to uh, sever the anchors, and we think because of the misdirection and the conversation that started on screen and then finished off screen that Deke is going to take her out. I've been meaning to ask you, Matt, what is your Deke uh, quake ship name? What do you call them? 
Um, well, I would say that would be um, Quaid. Uh, because I'm a, I feel I'm like... a DZ guy. I like DZ. Tweet at us what your Quake Daisy Deke ship name is, please. I think regardless, Pete, what's important is both you and I were making sure that Daisy came first. Act break, act five, Pete. And then we have Zephyr One. It's twisting. It's twirling. Um, and... We're not in Kansas anymore either, Matt. It was a heck of a tornado, the lightning, everything else. Kudos to Mark Kolpak and his team as always. And we've got this zero-G throwdown aboard the Zephyr One. Bear McCreary, who we don't mention often enough, who of course does the music for Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., I think he was doing some homage because, of course, one would never steal some homage to uh, to uh, the Matrix Reloaded and the Burly Brawl. There, there were some of the uh, it, to me there sounded to be some similar musical elements. Um, not that the Burly Brawl is a zero G fight, but just that it's boy one heck of a fight, and that's what we see here. Um, things get more serious though, Pete, once May turns on the gravity plating again. Uh, or I guess maybe not turned on again, but once gravity returns to Zephyr 1, um, and uh, certainly lots of twisting and twirling in the uh, in the cargo area, but then they head back to the flight deck. Pete, take us to that flight deck. Yeah, Matt, this is where Enoch delivers what might be the line of the episode here. Had he a stomach, the vomiting would begin now. Uh, but Colson wants to know... Uh, from Fitzsimmons about these thrusters. Talk to me. Uh, meanwhile, Deke is just trying to scavenge whatever is available in the bay there as Sonara and Daisy throw down. He looks in a crate. Uh, Cassius back aboard the lighthouse here. He's trying to get Mac and Yo-Yo to stand down, uh, but she's not having it, Matt says that uh, he is not God, he's not the devil, he's just a cruel, sad, little blue man. Pete, the time has come for us to start to intercut a patented shield trick. Yo-Yo appears to be prepping to Yo-Yo. We cut back to Sonara on Zephyr 1, who's about to knife Daisy. Then she gets pulled off by Deke, who had gotten some of his pulley chain manacle things. Uh, back to Cassius we go. He takes out his trigger button. Flint arrives, heading towards the climax here. Flint says it's done and ready. With that, Yo-Yo goes to Cassius. We get to slow motion, but she gets bounced back by that energy shield. Turns out Cassius was ready, Pete. Oh, no. Yeah, he promised suffering, and now he's going to make good on it, Matt. Uh, meanwhile, Deke has been impressed by this fight uh may does her thing and back to the hold there as sonara takes off the the wire work or maybe it's green screen i i think the great thing is you couldn't tell what it was maybe the actress could could jump 25 maybe she's just got mad hops um you know she she goes up there and daisy impales her there with the pole and pete you know for sure sees that sonara is dead at least like in this um 
in this life, like, which is to say, if they're going to bring her back through Cree means, okay, fine, but she's dead for now, for real, because she has the <clears throat> kind of moment where <laughs> head down. <clears throat> I want her back where we can see the hole through her. Yes. Uh, the story returns to the flight deck. Everything looks okay, or so it seems. Enoch, voice of the narrator, perhaps even voice of the audience. A sound plan indeed. <laughs> everyone is happy. Then we cut to the lighthouse where everyone is not happy. Max says that he's going to blow the place. Cassius is ready to push his button. Pete, there's fingers on buttons left and right. Um, Whose is bigger? Uh, well, all I know is this, Pete, is Cassius pushes his button. But our human extras, they've worked so hard under Gunner. They've all seen that the bombs are moved to what initially looked like a few select levels. We're going to find out in a moment. It actually was all level 25. <gasps> Cassius is shocked. The people have moved up. Surprise. Every human floor worked together. Pete, do you remember before when Cassius said they can't work together? They work together and Cassius is cut off. They're out of reach, Matt, but it's not over. Mac blows his explosives there. And as we end that fifth act, we have a rather interesting shot of Cassius yelling no and the camera shaking furiously. Indeed. We come back for what strikes me as a slightly longer tag scene than we normally get. Yeah. Um, we start with Zephyr one in flight. There's the attempt to radio Mac or yo-yo come in Mac, come in Mac. They say it a few times, come in Mac. And then finally in a moment they do a uh, Deke appears ready to split the single shard. He's going to dark crystal it here, but he's unsure. So just to recap, we have multiple attempts to radio Mac. We have Deke thinking about doing a thing, but doesn't quite do it. Finally contact is made with Mac Max says, we're all, you know, we're kind of on pause mode here. Do you have a plan? So, Pete, do they have a plan? Well, the plan seems to revolve around Flint and having Flint back to Cassius. A guard comes to him and explains that the destroyer is heading there uh, in an old shield aircraft. All of this that uh, Cassius seems to already know, he has a seer of his own. And we're left rather ominously with a guard stepping into a room with uh, a door with uh, alien writing on it that I'm sure says Space Fortunes. The dossier. A detailed look at our bad guys. Matt, our dossier has... Uh, very squarely focused on these two characters all season. Um, but I, I think they've really left impressions and we'll start with Cassius. I, I, I love the, the character of Cassius. I really, really do. I think if you're going to go for a, a broad mustache twirling bad guy, uh, which is okay, particularly for the flavor of this show versus, you know, something that's maybe a bit more serious. He's the, the, the character is so great. The makeup is so great. Uh, the actor is wonderful. I don't know if I mentioned last week. I think I did. Um, but, but actor Dominic Reigns, who has been working for like over 10 years, yeah. his first credit is 2000. My goodness. It goes back. I think about we it. said two or three. Yeah. It 2003. Post nine 11. And, 
shocker of shocker, he was playing all of these Arab roles. And now to be able to have something that can really stretch his range yeah. and to play a blue man uh, and, and not be subject to the typecasting that we still know, unfortunately, goes on in Hollywood. For the big vamping it up villain, he is so good. And I'm OK yeah. not being like, but Pete. Uh, poor Cassius, when he was but a boy, his older brother, like whatever, it's the bad guy on a on a show that's meant to be fun and engaging, not that's not meant to have us understand all perspectives of everybody and, and their struggle. So sometimes fantastic. you just need a completely irredeemable villain <laughs> that you love to hate. And we love to hate this guy. And I think we love hating him with each passing episode. Speaking of love, Matt, if this is it for Sonara, R.I.P. But boy, hmm, vials, magic blood. Uh, I'm hopeful we're going to see her with a gigantic hole in her torso coming to throw her balls at somebody. I completely agree with everything that you've said. And I think that there's, um, you know, there, there's the potential to bring her back. I also think the show does not linger when second tier recurring characters get killed off. It'll give them their moment. Um, but that'll be it. And I really, really think that's it for her. Welcome to level seven. Time to analyze and theorize Matt, this creation that Cassius references early on, we end the episode. He's got a seer. <gasps> we didn't see that coming. Are they one and the same? Well, I'll tell you this, Pete. If we were going to get some sort of insane reveal, like it's Clone Ward's head in a jar, and he's, you know, blah, 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 through the... <laughs> what's that? Clone Ward. Clone Ward, yeah. <laughs> um, I think they would have showed it to us. So I'll be okay if it's just like, turns out I can tell the future and that's supposed to be the reveal even though we were waiting to see the thing. Um, I will be okay with that. And I think that it, it it's to the credit of the show that even with us saying, all right, I think you have two episodes to go until the end of the pod. Um, I, I give them credit to um what is it i'm trying to say i give them credit that now kasaya seems just as unbeatable and uh, that means they're setting a greater obstacle for our heroes to overcome so much gravitonium matt on the station on the zephyr one now fitzsimmons putting the pieces together that they will go back in time even with the knowledge of of what's going on now and, and getting the plane to fly. They don't put it in there. It can't fly the whole time loop situation. Are we going to get our Gravitron return? I think that safe money is that we get a lot more with Gravitonium. I'm, I'm not holding my breath for the return of Gravitron. Um, just because I feel like it's such a deep cut and for what? You know, it wouldn't be like, you know, I wish Pete, I wish in my heart of hearts that it could be, you know, that, that Bill Paxton, for example, not passed away and we get some sort of Ugh. callback to that first season. Coming around. up on a year ago now, yeah. too. 
So, I mean, some something like that where it really ties back in, in a way that rewards the long-term fans. I just don't know that Gravitron is it because it was, that was like the first episode in that, you know, in that first half where it really was like, oh, so that's this show. They like go for a thing. It's like find the thing and there's a guy in it. Okay. Um, so I'm going to say no Gravitron. Yes, more Gravitonium. Matt. How is there suddenly tech that can stop Yo-Yo Rodriguez other than the fact that Casayas knows who she is and all of her names and nicknames? I think it's possible that the story will say, oh, it's because he had researched her and he was prepared for any agent of S.H.I.E.L.D., which is not unreasonable. Um, but I think more reasonable is, you know, the 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 Roman generals of old would have slaves, uh, you know, carry the, the palm leaves to cool them or the little, I don't know, tents over them or things like that. Or those little, you know, I'm going to ride in the, the wheelless carriage while people carry it that, you know, variations of that. Maybe wherever he goes, if it's dodgy, he, he has his net energy crew ahead of him to keep him safe. Both answers work. Cassius has his team helping out Pete. You know what that reminds me of? Patreon.com slash Fantastic Geek. Absolutely. Our pals supporting us there, helping us with the storage and the bandwidth and our own Gravitonium. And it is always appreciated. Whether you are helping us move all of our belongings to level 25 or whether you're just a part of the resistance, everybody gets exclusive podcast content. So get yourself to patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash Fantastic Geek today. Choose your perk and listen away. Let's check the wire. Pete, we ran a poll on Twitter asking people what were their thoughts for this episode of Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., your four choices were four stars, My Blue Heaven, three stars, To the Caves, two stars, Feels Like Tess, one star, Feels Like Sonara. Pete, with all the votes having been tallied in the last hour, uh, I want to say 76% of people gave this four stars, 24% gave it three stars, everybody landing on the top half there, so lots of praise indeed seemed like a lot more anticipation and a lot more live tweeting going on during this episode, Matt. It is still trended in the top two. It was number one for much of that hour on Twitter. So uh, these are only things that can weigh in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.'s favor for renewal. Yeah, I was not kidding before when I was saying with all these reboots reimaginations with all the return to intellectual property uh, some of it very far back abc is going to have a show based on a show from the 70s the show in the 70s and this new version black female lead the original one was the first one to do so i had never even heard of this show so my point is this and i hope it does all the best it's starring the woman who was in pitch nothing but the best for that show but if they're going to that to say this will make a connection with some people I hope that show gets on. Sounds really awesome. You can also do another season of S.H.I.E.L.D. where people already know it. It's already familiar property. Like, you know, 
back when the season ended in May. So make more and have them come out in the fall. Exactly. To Facebook we go, Matt, starting with Robert T. Frost. Season 5, Episode 8, the weapon that Yo-Yo is holding when she encounters May isn't an axe. It's a glaive, basically a meat cleaver on a pole. The discs that Yo-Yo uses against the Vrelnexians that cause disintegration are from Season 2, Episode 6, A Fractured House, when Hydra agents posed as shield agents and attacked a United Nations meeting being hosted by Glenn Talbot. A disc also caused the death of Sunil Bakshi. Remember him, Matt? Oh, yeah. Uh, When he took the hit meant for Grant Ward. A quick word about episode seven. The rifle Cassius uses to stab his brother is an M1 Garand, the primary weapon used by U.S. forces in World War II. General George S. Patton called it, quote, the greatest implement of battle ever devised, unquote. Uh, And I, of course, credited uh, Robert T. Frost as our weapons consultant for uh, that episode, something that uh, Mike Sorensen historically has uh, filled for us in the past. I'm sure none of that uh, slid by Mike without his notice. Uh, John Stewart replied to that. He said, yeah, I spotted the M1 as well. It was a great way to pull from ordinary props and not having to build something special. He also uh, tagged us here with a little YouTube video. I don't know if you are aware of this great video about the typology of time travel mechanics in stories. He tagged it there. There's several different types of uh, time travel stories that are uh, referenced within the video, Back to the Future, Christmas Carol, so on and so forth. So you can head to our Facebook page, and that is tagged under last week's episode, episode 508, The Last Day. It certainly strikes me that despite what Fitz and Simmons said in this episode, there's no way that they're in some sort of permanent loop because that means... uh, that means that uh, Black Panther can't come out and Infinity War can't come out um, because Earth is going to be destroyed. So I imagine there's going to be, you know, more than the Back to the Future 1985 and 1985 A that we see. We always love getting the episode feedback, the episode insight, particularly from our gunsmiths this week. Pete, how can people be in touch with you on Twitter? You can take some shots at me on Twitter at Peter, P-I-E-T-E-R-J-K-E-T-E-L-A-A-R 9,770 followers. Can't be wrong. And while I am personally on Twitter as Looking Back Lost, you can be in touch with the podcast anytime you like. Visit fantasticgeek.com, email fantasticgeek at gmail.com. Check us out on Twitter and Instagram where we are fantasticgeek as well. But wait, Pete, there's more. Facebook.com slash Fantastic Geek with the PH, all one word. Like it today. Two likes today, Matt. Before the episode, I can only imagine after this episode is out there into the world, how many people will be running to check the video that uh, John Stewart linked there and, and to share their thoughts about this episode. For those listening on the Pop Culture Podcast feed, we'll be back in about 48 hours. No, <laughs> math is difficult. About 
Nate, Friday, Saturday. Yes, 48 hours. Yeah. That, Pete. The weekend's just started. We'll be podcasting at the end of the weekend for Star Trek Discovery, which continues to be so, so excellent. If you're listening to us on the Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. feed, we will be back next Friday to keep the adventures going on here. With that, Pete, I will say adios to all our listeners and give you the final word. You think you're invincible, but in the end, you'll submit. <laughs>